The series on prayer will end will not end. But we have more one week one more week in this direction before we begin to believe God to come back again because we never outgrow prayers. One of the most outstanding gifts that we have as the church is the ability to have influence in the spirit. The world is seeking for those that will have influence in the spirit. I was at the store a couple of days ago. I met a young lady that said they brought in a palm reader to attract people to the store. And I said to her, what did the palm reader come to do? Or to tell people about fortune. And I said, if I brought my Bible here, I can tell you greater fortune. Will you allow me in? To pitch my tent somewhere here in the store. She was smiling and I said, you will not. Then you will understand solicitation. Then separation of the church will come. But what has the person come to do? And I asked a young lady, the young lady a question. And I said, if the palm reader, because I asked her, what did you want to know from the palm reader? She said, I just wanted the palm reader to tell me I'm going to win a lottery. Lottery. And I said, that's fine. So how many millions do you want to win? And I told her, if the palm reader knows how to win that million, he won't be coming to your store to read palms for you. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> the day he understands the secret of palm reading, of reading into millions, he will pack his load and start a new business. What am I saying tonight? There is an unquenchable desire in the heart of man to understand how the realm of the spirit can become a place of influence. And the truth about the matter is tonight, as believers, we have influence in the spirit. If a man is powerful and he is not aware of what he possesses, he will not be able to unnest what he has got. We are a powerful group of people. Why? Because we have influence in the spirit. Let me say this loud and clear to us tonight. The reason why the devil will attack you is because he knows you have influence in the spirit. 
And the greatest attack of the enemy is not what we think. The greatest attack of the enemy is in ignorance. Not wanting believers to unnest the power that we possess when we are determined to wield our influence in the spirit. In every generation where the church understands the power of influence through prayer, there is always a significant impact on the world. In the days of a man called Jonah Hyde, his first name was eventually changed to pray, pray, pray and hide. Why? Because this man was endowed with the grace from God and he understood that there is power. When we stand or kneel to pray as believers, let me quickly remind us the thought and the sentence made by the Queen of Scotland when Jonathan Edward was in their land. She said, the whole army of Scotland is not as powerful like the prayer of this man. She has more respect for the prayer of a man who had touched the realm of the spirit. John Hyde would spend hours before God and pray. And the story that I read very closely was that he understood that the soul of a man is not won by words. They are one on the knees. And because of his understanding, he chose to pray to bring the souls of men before God. And the more he prayed, the more the souls were won in the kingdom. One of the determinations of John was that one time he began to pray that the Lord will open his understanding and will give him access in the realm of the spirit. He started to pray that God will give him a soul each day. And truth to the matter, after his prayer, there was always somebody that would come into the kingdom because of the prayer of one man. Have we ever thought about it? If, that, if God can win a soul through me every day, in 365 days, hallelujah, can you imagine what we will have in our account in heaven? It got so intense that John Hyde would spend the entire night praying. We'll pray from dusk to dawn. Influence in the spirit. Tonight, the Lord wants us to know as a people, we have influenced for too long. We are taking the battle to the gates of the enemy. God wants us to become influential in the realm of the spirit. Your impact, the world must see. The reason why God has sent you and me to the world must be felt. Our families must experience a change because we can pray. Our communities must begin to experience transformation because we can pray. 
I begin tonight by saying, there are keys to unlock certain doors. For a particular door to be opened, we must insert and apply the right keys. Otherwise, we'll be shut out. The key must fit appropriately into the lock. As we cannot open that door. There are certain doors when they are locked. If the keys are not available, nobody will gain entrance. Or the codes are not available. Nobody will gain entrance. When I say key, it is not only what you put into it. Sometimes it's a code which represents the key. And the codes was designed specifically for that door. Without the code, no one will have access into that door. In my study, I found out there are certain things we can begin to ignore in the spirit. Or we have become so conversant with them we are beginning to lose a grip on how critical and crucial they are to answer prayers. Tonight I'm sharing with us on how to be effective in praying. How to be effective in praying. How to be effective in praying. Like any other part of life in this kingdom, there are principles. These principles will guarantee success for us. I believe that in prayers, there are certain fundamental principles. They are very simple and they are easily violated by many. Certain keys in the realm of the spirit are authorized and approved of God particularly in the New Testament. Can we turn our Bibles together tonight to John chapter 16? John 16. I'm going to read just two verses, 23 and 24. In that day... You will ask me nothing. Church, did we see that? In that day, you will ask me what? Nothing. How many of us have ever paid attention to that statement? Jesus, at this time, was very present with his disciples. He had not gone to the cross. But he said, in that day, in other words, not long after now, 
you will not ask me anything. Because at this time, everything the disciples needed, Jesus made available. The time they were supposed to pay their taxes, and they were getting cocky. And Jesus knew that even as believers, there is a natural government. There is a civil law, civil rule, which must be obeyed. Jesus said, no, don't get into any squabbles because of money or tax money. We remember how he paid the money, brought out the fish, opened the fish up, paid them their money. They wanted to accuse him. He said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give unto God what is what? What is God's? So Jesus understood life's principle. In the same way, he's beginning to explain to us the kingdom's principle. That it would not be long from now. You will not pray to me. How many of us know tonight that any prayer you pray directly to Jesus, Jesus said, don't do it to me. I'm sure these are some of the things we gloss over we don't pay attention to. Jesus said, don't pray to me. In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father, who are we supposed to ask? The Father. This has nothing to do with the credibility of Jesus. Nothing. It just has something to do with the divine order. The divine order is you present your request before the Father in the name of Jesus. So he says, Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. He will do what? He will give you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This brings me to a very critical point tonight. That one of the critical keys of prayer is praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. How many of us know that we can violate this rule and not know that we are violating that rule? I'm telling you what I know. We can become emotional. We can become attached and associated with tradition that we begin to lose grip over the divine principle and over the kingdom principle of getting prayers answered. God is very very detailed about principle of the kingdom. Because to us, it means nothing. What difference does it make if I pray to Mary, if I pray to Jesus, or if I pray to the Father? That's us. To God, it isn't so. And Jesus was very careful that in getting your prayers to be answered, you must recognize that your prayers are sent straight to the Father. But in my name. Ever says in my name. In my name. Because Jesus knew that someday 
by the time he went to the he will be go to, going to the cross after the cross it will be said of him there is no name by which any should be saved that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven of things on earth and of things under the earth. There is no greater name than this name. The name of Jesus is the critical identity that your prayers need in the realm of the spirit for his acceptance. Any prayers offered without this seal of his name isn't recognized by the Father. It's hard a little bit. But it's the truth. Why did I begin like this tonight? It is because I have observed that it's so easy to become frivolous. Have we noticed that there is what you call the tyranny of the familiar? The tyranny of the familiar is when we begin to get ourselves familiar with things of the spirit, with church, and we begin to pay less attention to the kingdom principle. It is very true what I'm saying tonight. I have had people pray, in Christ's sake we pray. You cannot pray in Christ's sake. You pray in Christ's name. The Bible did not teach in Christ's sake. The Bible teaches in Christ's name. Because there's a difference between sake and name. Jesus said, my name has become the stamp of authority in the spirit. Verse 24, let me read. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Jesus is saying, while I'm here with you, talking to the disciples, you haven't asked anything in my name. It says, ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. So that brings me to this critical junction tonight. There was never a place that I read in the scriptures all through the New Testament where Jesus told his disciples to pray to him. Not one place. When they asked him in Luke chapter 11. How to pray. He said our father. Do we remember that? In heaven. Our Lord be thy name. Does that sound simple? Yes. Because the kingdom principle. Are not complicated. They are simple principles. But they are very, very effective. The reason why many prayers and hours spent are not effective because is because many principles of the kingdom are subtly violated or ignored. And God is saying, I desire that you understand the ways of the Spirit. It comes to me now that Jesus is our mediator. Jesus is our intercessor. 
Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our Lord. He stands between us and the Father. Tonight, if you want to be sure that you're touching the throne of grace, we must adhere to the principles laid down in his word. One of those principles, one of those keys is the key of his name. Pray to the Father in my name. I believe that this key will unlock the heavens on our behalf. Ephesians chapter 3, let's read from the mouth of Paul. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. I read from here. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who did he bow his knees to? He bow, he, he, I bowed my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus. Do we see this principle being written clearly and boldly? To the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Let me say this clearly to us tonight. I understand denominations. But when it comes to the realm of the spirit, God will not accept you because of the superiority of your denomination. Never will accept you. God does not know any family by nomenclature, what else, or whatever name we call, we call ourselves. God knows his own family by one reason. The redeemed of the blood of Jesus. It does not matter the creed. It does not matter the language. It does not matter the location. It does not matter the color or the race. If you belong to the Lord Jesus, we are of the same family. The same bloodline runs in our system. We may not bear the same last name, but the truth about the matter is in the realm of the spirit, you are my brother. You are my sister. We have in our system the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ flowing through the streams of our eternal body in the Lord. At this point, are we listening? It puzzles me when believers will replace this key. It puzzles me when believers will replace this key with the name of a founder or overseer. I'm going to say it again. It puzzles me. I've said this over and over again and I'm going to repeat this truth. We become emotional, particularly when God has placed over us a leader that we love, that we reference, that we revere, and we begin to replace the name of these overseers and leaders and founders and the place of the only name that has been given under heaven. We must change. I grew up with it. We used to pray in the name of our father. Who had a special place before God. Don't misunderstand me. 
these men were used of God. God loves them. And they love God. But we cannot, however great this man had, replace them with the Lord who pay the ultimate price to grant us access to the Father. It is a misplaced priority. Such prayers will not be answered. Quote me anywhere. I'm not going to be very detailed about it. We understand what I'm talking about. I know that many people will listen to these words outside of this nation. And they will understand that the truth about the matter is regardless of the respect and the honor that we have for those men that God has placed over us, we must not forget there is only one person who has paid the ultimate price for our salvation and deliverance, our redemption and our tomorrow. His name, Jesus. Paul was careful. He was a careful writer. Who else can we see in our generation can be as witty and dexterous like Paul? Yet Paul was careful in his writings that it did not come between God and man. Many of our leaders are not very careful of this because when God begins to use us, we can begin to come between man and God. The only mediator is Jesus. Do we understand this? Amen. Amen. Understood? Thank the Lord tonight. But let's see what the scripture says in John chapter 16. In John 16, 24, the Bible tells us, Until now you have asked me nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ever said that your joy may be full. We have a scripture that gives us principle. Every principle comes with a benefit. The principle we see in this scripture says, if you do what I said, the Father will release to you your request and your desire. And what was the request? And what was the benefit? The Bible says, you have asked me nothing. But it says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I believe that God wants to bring us into a place as believers when our joy becomes full. When your joy becomes full, it does not have anything to do with happiness in your life. I was reading stories by Smith Wigglesworth. Many of us, you will, you will, you will appreciate this story. Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber, but he gave his life to the Lord. He was one of the men that God used to I mentioned him last week. He was invited by a woman to, to her house to come and fix the pipes uh, in her house. When, she, when he walked in into the house, the woman saw something about him but didn't see anything. The man kept fixing the pipe. That's why we don't have to become preachers for us to become practitioners of the truth. God wants to visit each of us in our respective areas of specialization. The kingdom principle is based on God's people going into the world and impacting the world for good. And this man entered and was fixing the pipe. The woman was tossing back and forth. She would come in and go back again, come in. And the man was watching, what's going on with her? I'm here to fix a pipe. 
And suddenly the woman couldn't hold it. She said, there is something about your face. There is something about joy I cannot understand. What is it about you? You know what he said? Oh, he said, ah, I understand. He said, this morning, you want, me to, you want to hear the story? He said, this morning, I was home with my wife. We're about to have a breakfast. And my wife told me that my two children were sick upstairs. And he said, and we went, both went upstairs to pray for them. And we lay our hands on them. And they became healed. And they came downstairs to have breakfast with us. And it occurred to me, who else could have done that to me but through the name of Jesus? He said, who else could have provided that victory? What can the world, who else could have provided the healing? Through one name. That's why my joy knows no end. Because my voice is recognized in the realm of the spirit. And the woman said, ah, can you tell me about this Jesus? He said, yes, I'll tell you. Because I need the joy that you have. There is something in your face. I need that thing in your face. There the woman gave her life to Christ. She became born again. The second story. We saw the same man was visiting a friend. He had a serious financial need. I was visiting one of his friends in England. And while he was, the friend was a very rich man. But the story had it that Niguso never mentioned his financial need to the friend. Not once. Never. They were playing together. They were just not knowing why Niguso was just enjoying himself, jumping around and just speaking in the spirit and just dancing. The man was just watching. <laughs> they were friends, but was secretly watching the man and said, what is wrong with him? <laughs> and the friend said, please stop. What is the problem with you? <laughs> Why are you so joyful? It wasn't something. Did you, anything going on new? He said, no. Why are you so full of joy? We was yet did not mention the issue of the financial need. What am I saying tonight? The circumstance of your life may not have changed. But because you believe you have prayed, your joy must be demonstrated. Hallelujah. Do you know as we are in this place, God wants us to demonstrate a joy unspeakable. Because we know that to God, I want, us to say, I want to say something to us tonight. To God, every soul in this place tonight is critical to God. It's important to the living Father. That in our lives, when our goals and our expectations are not yet met, we must understand when we have prayed, God has answered. We, our joy must precede the facts. Hallelujah. How many of us know that in our lives, many of us, we wait for facts to rejoice? Is it not true? But the way it is said in the scripture is our joy should precede the facts. Mark 11.23. I'll read that scripture again tonight. Mark 11.23. Let's go back there. Mark 11.23. What does it say? It says, For assuredly I said to you, 
whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have. Did he have it already? No, he will have it. He hasn't got it. But he's going to get it because he believes that he's been answered. And his reflection and the joy on his face is that God has done it. There are things we have been prayed for in your life, in our lives. And you've prayed for it one month, two months, three months, one year, two years. God is saying, let it not be that men of the world will see in your face that you have a need in your life. I am already done with it. And it will manifest. Mark 16. Before Mark 16, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. I want to give us more scriptures. You can get home and begin to study and pray through this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. This is what the scripture says in verse 20. Ephesians, book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Giving thanks always. Are we there? Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things. All things are contained in the things that are done and the things that are not done yet. Correct? All things. To God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 16. In book of Mark chapter 16, we're going to read two scriptures together. Mark 16, 17, and Luke chapter 11, sorry, chapter 10, verse 17. Mark 16, 17. It says, And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. Ever say my name. We remember we, we just studied that whatever we ask in his name, God will answer. The Bible is also saying that there are demonic oppositions that you will face in your life. They will not respond to your sweat. They will not respond to how muscular you are. They will not respond to your noise. But they will respond to the authority in the name that's above every other name. They will respond to the authority in the name of Jesus. Luke 10. Luke 10, 17. This is what it says. Then the 17 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. In whose name? In whose name? In your name. So this brings me to a point tonight, believers, that there are militating forces we cannot wish away. There are controlling forces that seek to render our lives important, insignificant. These forces, Jesus faced them. Paul and other apostles, 
did face these militating forces. They encountered these forces. You know the truth, church? You cannot escape them. These forces will raise their ugly head against you at night or day, at work, at home, in your family, in your business, in the things you undertake because the enemy is not attacking those things because of those things. is attacking those things because of your standing in Christ. Why would demonic oppositions come so strongly against us? I'm going to tell us why tonight. Number one, because you are a man of righteousness. Hallelujah. A man of righteousness is a target to demonic opposition. The devil will hate you. The devil will attack you. If you're walking in righteousness, if you're walking in faith, the enemy will kick against you. The Bible speaks of Jesus in Hebrews Hebrew chapter 1. The Bible says, For thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore thy God, even, even God, thy God has anointed thee with oil of gladness above thy fellows. The Bible says Jesus loved righteousness. Everyone who loves righteousness will face persecution in this world. Is that true, church? The enemy will attack you. That is why we cannot give up on our right standing before God. Are we going to make mistakes? Yes. But you see, we don't stand in a place of mistakes. We say to the Lord, Lord, you have purchased me with the blood of Jesus. I am a redeemed man. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, I take my place of righteousness regardless of what the enemy is doing. I remember a statement uttered by a man and I believe it. He said, if righteousness will not exalt us, let us remain on the ground. Does that make sense to you? The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach unto any people. What the enemy tries to do is to push us to the, to the position when we become imperfect before God and we lose our confidence. You know what, the, you know what sin does to us? It makes us cowards. I was a coward. Because we stand for righteousness. Number two, because you are a man on a mission. Ever say I'm a man on a mission. I'm not saying man in terms of gender. I'm saying man in terms of we are the people that God has called. You're a man on a mission. The devil is called an adversary. Creating an adverse influence on your drive for your mission. Why does the Bible call it? You know the Bible uses several, several adjectives for the devil. One of them is adversary. The word adversary means somebody who is creating an obstruction. So in other words, how will you create an obstruction except you are found a man who is going somewhere? So he's an adversary because the devil knows you are a man on a mission. Do we remember what happened to Job? Job was a man of righteousness. And the Bible says the enemy was hiding. When you see a man of mission, the hand of the enemy will want to come against him. That is why Paul the Apostle had to say it emphatically. He said, I cannot be, obed I cannot be disobedient to the heavenly vision. I know where I'm going. The devil wanted to use, do you know many times we think the devil is going to come with, with two horns in his head? No, that's not true. The devil will use the closest people to you, even believers, to say things into your life that can create an obstruction in your life. You know what happened to Paul? The churches that were, that were established by Paul, the enemy began to use those churches against Paul. We studied that in the Bible study. As, as the church in Corinth, there were rumors among them that is Paul truly an apostle. 
Did Paul really see Jesus? Why is he really an apostle? And when you hear such words as a man, who had, Paul was a man who had died to himself. He was sold out to the Lord. Sold out to the mission of the kingdom. But the enemy began to spread rumor. Evil rumor. Rumor that were things that were not true against Paul. And Paul had to put that church in order. What am I saying tonight? There are times the enemy will come against you through the words of men. Number three. The reason why you have demonic opposition in your life is because you are a future-minded person. Everyone seated in this place tonight is living on the power of hope. Is that not true? We know that today is not, many of us are seated this evening. Today is not as important to us as our tomorrow. We know that there is a God, there is a divine plan for our lives. Many of us, because of the divine understanding we have, we are more concerned about finishing what God has called us to do. Is that not true? Do you know why the enemy attacks us? I'm going to give us two reasons. These are the two last reasons. Number one, I mean number four. When you are the hedge of a major breakthrough, the enemy will attack. Where what? At the hedge of a major breakthrough. I believe there are seasons in our lives. When we are close to the edge of a phenomenal transformation, then you become a clear target to the enemy. You appear on the radar of the enemy because you are close to a major breakthrough in your life. Let me give us an example. There was not such a time when you read through history when Jesus was about to begin a major assignment, the reason why he came to the world. The Bible speaks that the enemy appeared in the wilderness. He was hungry. You know what happened? The devil did not come the very first day of the fast because he was still strong. He waited until the last day. When your body will be crying foul for food. How many of us are here tonight? You've tried to fast two days. After the first night, every sensor in your body will be crying for food. Every sensor. You know what I mean? Your nose, your mouth, your everything will be crying for food. But Jesus understood that. And the enemy cooked up an opposition against him. And you know what I noticed? When the enemy is attacking, he attacks consistently. He does not stop. He does it consistently. Do you remember the story of Joseph? The Bible speaks about what Joseph went through in the house of Potiphar. The Potiphar's wife kept pressurizing Joseph just for him to eat. What am I saying? Sometime in our lives, some of us are sitting, we are experiencing this one time you want to say, oh God, why me now? Why, why is it only me? I'm just getting out of this. I'm coming into this. We need to understand the nature of the enemy we face. It doesn't get tired quickly. Hallelujah. It doesn't. When the enemy attacks you at the home front, it will attack you at work. It will attack you through the children. It will attack you in every form. The worst of all, it will attack you to another believers. But the Bible wants us to know when you're close to the edge of a major breakthrough, be careful. I have seen in my study of God's word. Do we remember that Moses was close to entering Canaan? When that issue happened. I'm always praying, God, help us to see it when we're close to it. Help us to see it when we're what? When we're close to it. If you don't see it, the enemy will take advantage. Number, number five. Hallelujah. The demonic opposition come after a major victory. 
Church, I know many of us have prayed. Prayer is the most valuable, needed virtue in our lives. But you know what I also noticed? We need to keep our environments clear of the opposition of the enemy. Because long after your victory, the enemy will raise his ugly head. You know what I noticed that? You know why he does that? The devil is a killjoy. Is a what? He's a killjoy. He knows that you are joyful and he wants to kill that joy. Let me quickly go over one of, some of the reasons why we're not effective in our prayers. Number one. If you, sorry, the book of James chapter 5. Can we read together? James chapter 5. Hallelujah to Jesus tonight. I want us to read that scripture. I'm going to be closing soon, but I want us to just, I want to mention these things today because the Lord is leading us in a different direction next week by the grace of God. James chapter 5, verse 16. I'll read. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I love the adjective effective. So it is possible to pray and not pray effectively. It is possible to pray and not be effective. To be effective is to understand what it takes for our prayers to gain acceptance. One of them is what I mentioned. We must not bypass the principle of the kingdom. Number two, I also observed that we become ineffective in prayer when we become distracted. One of the chiefest weapons of the enemy is to create a distraction in our lives. How many of us have noticed that prayer involves absolute concentration? Is that not true? And that is why when Jesus was teaching about prayer, he said, when you pray, go where? Into your closet. Why did he say closet? Because you have little things that would distract you in your closet. The work closet is a, little, is a, is a, more, a smaller room. You have less room to be distracted around. In other words, find a separate place. A place where you have least distraction. So that your mind can concentrate. So that your focus can be on the prayer and can be on the law. How many prayers have been prayed half-hearted? Oh yes, Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus. It's like a machine. We're just talking, actually. We can't. If somebody asks us five minutes after we have prayed, uh, excuse me, sir, what did you pray for? Some of us will have forgotten. We're saying, when we pray, we must understand there are distractions. Number two, I also noticed that when we pray, it's not just a distraction of a place, it's also a distraction of a time. That was a distraction of a time. The first distraction is the distraction of a place. The other one is a distraction of a time. There are times that are not particularly convenient when you really want to pray. Such times when it is loudest around you, your prayers will be half-hearted. And God doesn't want us to pray that way. That's one of the reasons we recommend to believers that every morning before dawn, let's wake up to speak to God. You know what I've noticed? 
This is my own life. If I don't wake up early enough, if I'm to resume work at 8, and I'm starting to pray at 7, my mind won't be there. Because while I'm kneeling, my mind is, how long is it going to take me to shower? How long is it going to take me to wear my clothes? I still need to hire some shirts here. And you're praying. No. We need to create an allowance of time to be able to pray and pray through. Sometimes a 15-minute concentrated prayer will be better than two hours of a distracted time. Is that not true? Number two, a misplaced priority. Number one, I mentioned distraction, misplaced priority. When Jesus was teaching, I'm not going to let us read, I'm going to read from here. When Jesus was teaching about the prayer of the kingdom in Luke chapter 11, Jesus pinpointed a few things to us in hierarchical importance, I believe, in different levels of prayer. Jesus said, our father, I wrote in front of my note, relationship. We must understand that Jesus taught extensively about relationship. That you cannot pray to a man you don't have a relationship with. That's why if anybody is not born again, you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are actually not praying. Because there's no relationship. Number two. It says, who hath in heaven? He, this is talking about the dominion of God's authority. Sorry, the domain of God's authority. Where is his domain? In heaven. Number three. It says, our Lord be thy name. It means worship and thanksgiving. This is a radical order Jesus was describing to us. He said, first of all, recognize that there is a relationship before you open your mouth and talk to him. Number two, remember that he has a domain of authority, which is in heaven. Now, why did Jesus use the word who hath in heaven? Let me say this to us. Maybe we haven't paid attention to this. John chapter 3. The Bible says, he that's from above is above all. In other words, he's in heaven. You are on earth. Whatever is above you is still under him. Did we hear that? He's in heaven. You are calling upon him because everything on earth responds to the authority of heaven. The controlling place of earthly events is in the heavens. It's his domain. Number three, our Lord be in the name. Worship him. And he said, the critical one. How many of us will have thought what will have been? And he says, thy kingdom come. I was thy kingdom come. The kingdom means the reign of the king. This is my real point tonight. That our prayers will become greatly influential in the realm of the spirit if it is kingdom based. If it is what? Kingdom based. Now, God is not saying you're not, have need, you're not going to have needs in your life. Don't let your needs come in between the kingdom needs. What is paramount in God's mind is the kingdom needs first. Do we remember the prayer of Anna? How many of us know genuinely Anna needed a child? Is it true? She needed a child. May I say something tonight? Much more, God needed a prophet. Eli had disobeyed God. God was in search of a replacement for Eli. If you have gone to read 1 Samuel chapter 2, chapter 1, chapter 2, if we have gone to read that prayer, you will understand that Hannah vowed to God to do one thing. Hello, church. What was her vow? He will give that child back to God. God said, ah, ha, that's the man, I'm, that's the lady I'm looking for. You really, truly need a child. 
Do you know some of the prayers we have prayed? Our prayers many times are not kingdom based. You truly need a child, but much more, God needed a prophet. And that baby never followed Anna back home. Dedicated him straight to the temple of God. How many of us are mothers? Hello? And you've, you've not had a child for many years. You now have one. How many of us know how difficult it is for a mother to leave that child for one year and go away? Hello? That's how serious it was. She dedicated him. You know what God did? Every seed we sow, he gives us much more. God gave back to Hannah many more children. Why? Because she sowed the seed of a child. May the Lord bless us. Let our prayers, God knows you have a need, but has your need been tied to the kingdom's need? Lord, I need money. For what? Lord, I need a car. For what? When I provide it, how will it impact my kingdom? Amen? Lord, I need a house. How will it impact the kingdom? Lord, I need shoes to walk around. How will it impact the kingdom? That's a big question tonight. I'm going to close this prayer tonight. Let's see the end of this prayer. That we be done on earth. He says, what is his will? That's the next question. Number three, needs and desire. Now, your needs and desire come after kingdom. Hallelujah. It comes after kingdom. It says, give us this day our daily bread. God is going to give you your daily bread. But what is the kingdom need first? It says, lead us not into temptation. Keep us. I read another version. It says, keep us from ourselves. Hallelujah. It says, Drava, keep us from ourselves. But deliver us from the evil one. I know you're not going to believe me tonight, but that is the truth. I, I want us to watch me. Do you know that the issue of the devil came last in the divine list? Let's go back home and study it. It says, but deliver us from the evil one. It was the last on that list. In other words, if my prayer is kingdom-based, if my prayer is centered on the will of God, if my worship is strong, if my heart is totally sold out to him, if I have a relationship with my father, the enemy, the evil one cannot touch me. His rank is the least. His effort will be minimal in my life. Hallelujah. Is it? So in your life, the reason why we keep running around because of the devil is because the enemy has gained ascendance in our lives. That tells me something. In the rank of your prayers, the least on that rank, is the evil one. I'm not undermining what the enemy can do, but I'm saying, if God takes his center place in my life, there will be less effort on the path of the evil one. We're going to pray tonight. But before we pray, I want us to turn to First John with me because that's what I'm going to close tonight. First John. Thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight. 
I'm going to read verse 4. It says, You are of God, little children, and overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Verse 4 of chapter 5. First John. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Tonight we're going to pray. Because I believe that God wants us to put the enemy where he belongs. I want us to stand together tonight. As I read the last scripture before we pray. Can we stand together? Let's hold our Bibles in our hands. First John chapter 5 verse 19. Hallelujah. Verse 19 says. First John 5 19. We know that we are of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Are we ready? Verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself. What does the Bible say next? And the wicked one does not touch him. Hallelujah. The wicked one cannot touch you. As we stand in the place of prayer, as we spend our time before God, as our priorities are laid before God, as we become effective in our prayers, God will begin to do tremendous works in our lives. Let's close our eyes tonight as we pray. Lord, I just want to thank you tonight. I want to bless you for your faithfulness and your grace in my life. Oh yes, Lord, Jesus. I want to thank you because you have called me to pray and to be effective in prayer. I want to thank you for the name of Jesus, Father. The name above all names. The name, the name, the name, the name of Jesus. By that name, my prayers have become a sweet smelling before you. Through that name, every demon must bow, the scripture says. Through that name, my needs are met. Let's just speak to the Lord tonight and just bless him. And say, Lord, I thank you. I give you glory and honor tonight. I worship and adore you tonight. I worship you. I glorify you. You're faithful in all your ways. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we'll pray tonight. We're going to pray tonight. You know the prayer we're going to pray? And say, Lord, I'm sorry. That the days when I didn't have. That it was written all over me that I did not have. I did not allow the spirit of joy to take me over. Therefore tonight Lord. I enter into a joy unspeakable. In the name of Jesus. I enter into a season of joy unspeakable. Joy unspeakable. 
joy unspeakable in the name of Jesus. I want us to pray that prayer. Lord, I enter into a season of joy unspeakable. Lord, I'm sorry that in the past I allowed my countenance to reflect my need, not my belief. But your word says my countenance will reflect my belief and not my need. Lord, tonight, oh God, wherever my countenance has been reflecting my need, Lord, forgive me. Let it be from tonight that my countenance will begin to reflect my belief, my belief, my belief. I believe that God is on the throne. I believe that prayers are answered. I believe that God has a plan for my life. I believe that my prayers have come before you. I believe that my future is great. I believe that you have a purpose for my life. I believe that my family will live in peace. I believe that joy will fill my home. I believe my family will be fulfilled. My children shall be ordered by you. Their steps are ordered by you. Let's speak to the Lord. Let's speak to him and say, Lord, I believe. I believe about my needs. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray lastly tonight. As we begin to close tonight. We're going to stand against every demonic opposition against our lives. Every power in hell that has been standing against your life and your family. Every opposition. The Bible calls him adversary. I want us to say, I'm a man of a mission. I will see my mission accomplished. I'm a man of purpose. I will see the purpose of God for my life accomplished. I'm at the edge of victory. I will reach my goal. I've, I've been in victory. I will not go back into defeat. In the name of Jesus. The enemy cannot kill my joy. Devil, you cannot kill my joy. My joy is a continuous joy. Because my joy is not based on what I'm experiencing. It's based on the God that I believe. Paul said, I know whom I believe. I know whom I believe. I know whom I believe. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Father, what else can we say to you? But that you are a great and merciful Father. You have given us your word a manner, a principle of the kingdom by which we must live. We were taught traditions by many of our forefathers, progenitors. Lord, we appreciate them. But Lord, tonight we cleave to your word. We cleave to the truth of the scripture. The word tells us whatever we ask in your name, it will be answered. We cleave to that truth, Lord. That from tonight, Bible says, ask and you shall receive. 
Not your joy is full. I decree a new spring of joy in the house tonight. Upon every life in this place, a spring of joy. A spring of joy. A spring of joy. A spring of joy. Never you're a liar. In our lives, we will reflect the glory of our King. Our families will reflect the glory of our King. We will be effective in our prayers. We condemn every spirit of destruction around us. We reject every human, every fleshly, every kind of motivation that makes us think of ourselves and not of you. Link our prayers and we connect ourselves with the kingdom life. Help us to live as a kingdom people. Blessed be your name, Father, tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And the church said amen. And amen. Let's bring our prayer, let's bring our offerings to the Lord tonight as we close.